Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. It is May Day. It's not actually isn't isn't is May Day an actual day? I feel like it is. It is a holiday. Yeah, I just said May Day because May. But and isn't there like the Mayflower Festival or more importantly, it's the week of Cinco de Mayo. And actually, this is coming out on Cinco de Mayo. I dropped the ball. Does everybody have their margaritas ready and in hand? I don't like margaritas. Wait, look, what? Look. Who doesn't like margaritas? I mean, I don't like the standard margaritas, but I like the margarita variants. Like, I love a good mango margarita. Mm-mm. You give me tequila, I'm happy. Here's the thing. I have a couple problems with margaritas, and let me take you through them. One, I have a brother. Shout out to my brother. I have two, multiple brothers, so they don't know which one is being shouted out. But Yeah, just a shout out to the one. Shout out to the one. He loves tequila. Loves tequila. He weighs... 110 pounds soaking wet probably i know which one you know which one yeah now you know which one but he can put away tequila like i've never seen before really and tactic you would not believe it uh you guys should go shop or shop sometimes actually that's a terrible idea but i've gone out to like you know when you have a brother you go out to a, to a bar with him and you, we've done bar crawls together drink responsibly people but we've done bar crawls together and he'll say hey let's do a tequila shot and i'm the younger brother in, in this power dynamic so who am i to say no you know, I have to prove myself. And uh, for reasons I don't have to get into, that's kind of soured me to tequila a little bit in general. So that's reason number one that I don't go in for margaritas. Reason number two, salt should never um, be in a drink ever. You know, the key is to replace the salt rim because I don't like the amount of salt on it either. And it's big granulated like rocks. Right. Replace that with sugar and it changes the experience. It is a game changer. 10 out of 10 because like you know how you go in the ocean and you're like oh this water is so refreshing then you get some in your mouth and you're like this is awful that's what a margarita is like to me there's a perfect amount of salt that anything can have and i think the thing that has really nailed that line down is cheez-its so if you exceed the cheez-it line of salt then you've gone too far too much salt shout out to cheez-its not a sponsor not a cinco de mayo associated product but i love a cheez-it happy cinco de mayo everybody Happy month of May, happy May Day, whenever that was, or whatever that was. I am Illegal86, one of your three hosts. We, of course, have Tectic and Nerd Bomber here. You've already heard from them. They sound the same, as they always do. Or if this is your first time here, that's what they sound like. Nerd Bomber is the one whose voice is, yeah, whose voice is higher. Tectic is the one whose voice is lower, and we all have a baritone. Were you a baritone in, like, choir? I didn't do choir. You didn't do choir? No. Then you don't know if you were a baritone. I, I bet you were. A, you would have been a bass. I hope so. That sounds nice. I was a tenor. I was a Justin Timberlake kind of guy in middle and high school. Not that I, I didn't like listen to him, but like that's what I sounded like. Say it's gonna be May. It guys, it's gonna be May. Wow, we're we're getting all the May references out. I know. So I know you can actually sing. Can you please just sing it for us? I can't because I don't. I've only heard that song a handful of times. Most of the time when I see that meme, I see it in GIF form with no audio, which kind of like bleeds the you know the meme out of it it's a song it's kind of nasally it's like it's gonna bang me yeah so i don't need to sing it because that was perfect that was like jt was here him and his ramen spaghetti hair man the the early 2000s were awesome if you weren't around for it you you missed out we're not going to talk about may this whole episode that would be a great episode but we're we're actually we have a gaming centric episode laid out today we're going to talk about discord and in particular, Discord in relation to PlayStation. We're going to be talking about IO Interactive 
and a new game they've announced that they're working on. And we're also going to talk about Returnal because Returnal actually came out this past weekend and kind of, I guess we'll start with that one because we should say right off the bat, none of us have it. This is not like a first look at Returnal, what are our opinions. I think at least one of us here has a strong vested interest in having it eventually and playing it. And that is me. I don't have a PS5 yet. I hope to eventually have one. And when I do, Returnal's for sure going to be on my list. But the piece of news here, I guess, you know, we, we got a lot of reviews for Returnal. A lot of them were, I would say they were pretty overwhelmingly positive. It seems like they're, they're largely positive. Mm-hmm. But for those that aren't aware of what the game, we talked about the trailer. We talked about the game probably in a past E3 episode or something. It, it's This is one of those games where much like the Tom Cruise movie Edge of Tomorrow or even Groundhog Day, when you die, you start over. And you essentially just do a bunch of runs. Uh, the term you're looking for is roguelite. is often used to describe games like this. Games like Everspace, which I have, which is totally it's a ship combat game, but same sort of principle. You, you do these runs and you learn new things. You gain new abilities. But when you die, you start at square one until you eventually you know run the entire gauntlet and beat the game in, in basically in one shot without dying. This game, the quote-unquote piece of news here, if you kind of wanted to see it as a discussion topic, you can't save in the middle of a run. Now, I don't know. So first of all, Tactic Nerd Bomber, what's your experience with roguelites? It it could be zero. It could be a lot. I I honestly don't know. I mentioned mine, which is Everspace. Basically, my only experience with roguelites. I've played a few, and I get kind of frustrated. I think the latest one that I played was Neon Abyss, which I actually had a lot of fun with. And my problem with it, I guess, is that it's a lot of the times the runs are too long, which is something that we'll talk about. And then I feel like I can't quit in the middle of them. And unless I have like an hour to play the game and sit down or two hours, then I'm not like, I just don't bother because I know I'm not going to complete a run and then I'm going to have to start back at square one. And then I also just get frustrated at the fact that while the game mechanic is really neat and I know a lot of people like it, I get very frustrated because I am a very loot based person. Like I revel in RPGs and looter shooters where I get to upgrade my gear And I put a lot of weight on that for whatever reason in the games that I play. And it really frustrates me to get a bunch of cool stuff and then lose it and have to start all over. Plus, the randomness of them can frustrate me because you can play really well on a run. But if you're just not getting the right randomly generated weapons or whatnot, then you're not going to succeed. And I'm not the biggest fan of that. Tactic, do you have any experience with them at all? I can't recall any games that I've played specifically, but as you guys said, kind of being able to stop and save is is sort of a big bone of contention in, in any game. I mean, we're, we're in a very much a society where adults game, right? And, and adults have responsibilities where you sometimes just have to put down the controller and turn Teletubbies on. So is life. Do people still watch Teletubbies? No, but the, the, <laughs> the little kid, you know, poking you and saying, oh, is forcing you to put your controller down. I don't know what kids watch. I don't have kids. I think Teletubbies got canceled. Adults game, and we sometimes need to stop, pause, and take care of those nagging responsibilities. So, Returnal. So, so yeah. So, Nerd Bomber, in the roguelites you played, was there a way to save in the middle of a run, or is it just you just had to do the whole run? So, it was pretty much you had to do the whole run, and that was eventually why I stopped playing. Like I said, Neon Abyss was the last one that I played. 
And I think I had been playing for two hours straight and I just, I had to stop and I had other stuff to do. And then I came back and it was, it was done. <laughs> I was like, well, this right. was fun. And then I never went back to it. because I was like, well, I just wasted two hours and I don't know how long a run is going to take. So who knows like how much time I could waste and still not beat this thing. So, so to me, this is highlighting, I'm not a game designer, none of us are, but a critical design aspect of a roguelike game should be how long a run takes. So Returnal's runs are reported to take two to three hours. For me, as a, I would say I'm an adult gamer. I don't have kids like you said, but that's too long. I would say the longest, the upper bound of me sitting down and playing a game is probably close to two hours on any given day, typically a weekend day, honestly. I'll talk about my more recent video game experience a little bit later when we, we get through what we've been up to. But I would say even games that I'm obsessed with, I would say that after two hours, maybe two and a half, I'm typically like, okay, I've gone really hard. I should take a break. If I'm doing that every single time I sit down to play Returnal, that that turns me off. This, this is something that Returnal's developers, Housemark, by the way, seemingly don't have any plans to add this to a day one patch or any patch in the future. At the end of the day, this is a roguelike game, so they're probably sticking to that principle in as rigid a sense as possible. But I think it's an important question, you know, in terms of this genre, how, you know, there are, there's another game mentioned in this article I have from IGN, Hades. Those runs take 40 minutes, typically. That's a great number. I think that's me. the perfect time. And yeah. Hades has been a game that I was kind of like on the fence about, but it, it's won so many awards. Like, I think it was a goatee. And it made me want to play it. And then when I started reading reviews and I was like, oh, well, the run's already 40, only 40 minutes. Like, I can, that's doable. That's doable for me. <laughs> right. I think roguelites should want to foster consistency in play. So like, Hades sounds like a kind of game where you could do a run every day. You could say, okay, this is the 40 minutes I'm going to take to run through Hades. And that way you maintain strategies, you maintain things from play to play that you, lessons learned basically. With Returnal, it sounds like I would play one and be like, okay, I need to just absorb that for a while. Or like, okay, I've exhausted all of my leisure gaming time for a while. You know, you, at the very least, you certainly can't start another run right away. And that's Hades afford you that opportunity. If you want to take an hour and 20, you can do runs back to back and more effectively even say, okay, that run sucked because of X and Y. In the next run, I'm going to do Z. It just seems counterintuitive to me. And it's a shame because everything I've seen about Returnal outside of this it looks like a game i would absolutely adore in terms of thematics in terms of seemingly scares gameplay it just looks phenomenal yeah i mean in terms of like the shooting aspect everything that i've watched from this it's like it almost gives me semi mass effect vibes a little bit i mean not completely but a little bit and like it's the type of stuff like even kind of like with outriders gameplay like that third person shooter thing like that appeals to me and it kind of begs the question, like, I know it's the developer's vision, and obviously we're not game developers, but, like, is there that fine line? Like, yes, you have this vision of a game and a certain difficulty level and whatnot, and no one's really asking you to change the difficulty level, but is minding the player's time and adding that save feature, like, does that impact the storytelling in some way? Like, I'm trying to wrap my head around that, like, why they would not want to put a quick save feature, because I understand they want that that sense of like there's immediate doom, immediate stuff at stake here. You know what I mean? And also urgency. Right. right. But also that, like you said, just even in my younger days, 
yeah, I used to have really long gaming sessions, but especially a game that's as hard as Returnal, having runs that could last you two to three hours. And I mean, you may not complete it. You may die. You may get like an hour 45 in and you have to start over. That's super daunting to me. And and that would sting way more, right? Than, than a, a 40 minute Hades run. If that ends oh, after yeah. half an hour, you say, okay, well, that was a half an hour, but you know, I'll start again. Sounds like with Returnal, I would be more likely to throw the controller down and walk away without even turning off my console, <laughs> which I don't do often. The interesting thing is they've heard the criticisms about that and they said, nope, there's no plans to patch it. Right. It's unclear whether that's just flat out stubbornness or like Nerd Bomber was saying, if there's some kind of you know method behind that madness, if they know, okay, if we added a quick save feature, it would ruin the game for some reason that we just aren't aware of. But I think another important question is, if you are housemark, is this the sort of thing that affects sales of this game and they eventually have to bend because they want people to buy the game and they think this might help? Because, you know, it sounds like, I mean, based on our conversations off the air, Nerd Bomber, I don't know if you would buy it now. I, I don't even know if you would buy it in the first place. I think you would have, but now I'm, I certainly don't I'm know I'm a if hard would. wait for sale because I feel like this would be something that I would pick up a couple times and then get frustrated and walk away. So for me, yeah, I'm not buying your game at 70 bucks now. Right. I think I still would, uh, which I know is kind of antithetical to everything we've talked about here. You know, how this is kind of a baffling design choice to not have an autosave, but it still it just looks too good to me otherwise. And like, I think that that's the interesting and fun thing about gaming is that there are so many different preferences, like something that turned me completely off of the game until it's on sale. Like, I've been on like Twitter and Reddit and people are loving the game. I've seen people on Twitter who have already finished the game several times and it just came out. So it's obviously not that big of a deterrent. And I think it's just it's one of the wonders of gaming in that there's something for everybody and something that may not be for you does not mean that it's not for somebody. Right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that was a little Confucius-y, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we need at least one of those in episodes. So quota, quota filled. I, I have nothing else to say about this, but I, I will be curious. I think we'll all be waiting to see how Housemark responds and whether they add this to a patch. Clearly not a day one patch, but maybe a future patch. They'll decide, okay, you know, it it can be a thing that it doesn't have to be autosave. You can turn it on or off. So f- hardcore players can still have the the option of, okay, I want a real roguelite where if I die, I go all the way to the beginning, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, it can be that certainly for them. But I think that's like the perfect state. Like if you have a game where you have accessibility options, where if I just want to play it and find the story out and shoot some things and not like pull my hair out because I died before completing a three hour run, I feel like in today's day, I feel like the ideal state is to have that option. But again, the designer's intent, I don't want to tell them that they did wrong for not doing that. It just makes me sad. It should be akin to when you start a game deciding what the difficulty level is, right? That's another way of saying, I don't want a high difficulty level. I want to be able to play this for 30 minutes and say, okay, I'm going to walk away from this now. To me, those are very similar potential demands from a consumer. But I am not afraid of putting it on easy mode. I'm one of those people where sometimes like I've heard a game is really good from a story perspective, but I just want to blow through the, and like find the story out and i don't really care about the challenge world tier six baby that's the sweet spot <laughs> see i i have too much pride for that uh, did we talk about this last week or have we talked about this off see, the air by the way quick off topic thing 
That's why I think you would like Outriders, because there isn't quite an easy, medium, or hard, but it's just a world tier, so you can set the exact precise difficulty that's your sweet spot. It's not, it's, for me, it's not about finding a sweet spot. It's, it's about, I can't, I can't do easy. I'm too much of a seasoned gamer. I'm not even that seasoned of a gamer, but I can't do easy because it offends my sensibilities and it offends my body of experience. I should be able to play through any game on normal mode. I, I actually, you know, recently I started Jedi Fallen Order and I I put it on normal mode and I had to, I'm not I'm going to be honest. I didn't get very far. I found it to be challenging. It's very and, hard. And I, and I was like, I'm not lowering this to Padawan or whatever the heck it's called. Parrying and, is difficult. And I stopped playing. <laughs> like, And it, I, I think it was a combination of I found it difficult and I also didn't find it to be all that interesting. It just didn't hit me in the right way. But... And I'll, I'll probably revisit it at some point. But a big, I, I would say, a part of me I stopping playing was with that game. By the way, <laughs> it, it, it's tough because I think being a Jedi is you feel so powerful and everything seems so effortless, right? That is not what that game felt like. And like I know, at lowering the difficulty to Padawan might make it feel that way, but then I would feel ashamed. I would feel this shame that admittedly comes from within myself. But I, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with lower, lowering difficulty levels. So. We'll see if Returnal gives me the option, and maybe I won't even avail myself of that option. I guess I guess we'll find out. We'll be watching them to see what they do. Let us know on Twitter at Online Warriors One at OW Legal Eighty Six at OW Tactic at OW Nerd Bomber. What do you think of House Mark's move here? What do you think of the general idea of a game like Returnal not having a quick save or or any save function in the middle of a run? Are you a roguelite purist is this the right move in your opinion are you more casual do you is it stopping you from buying the game do you just want to talk about chickens you know sometimes sometimes people on twitter just want to talk about turtles or rocks just things so talk to us about the game talk to us about something else who knows we're going to move on now to a different game though a, a game that does not yet exist we talked about ioi somewhat recently because they're working on the next 007 game well, it turns out they're also working on something else. IOI, of course, known primarily for the Hitman games, which I've never played, but have attained some renown. They are working, apparently, on a fantasy game. And in particular, a game that has dragons. And this is not very newsy, nor is it particularly an informed opinion. But you know what I? What happened in my mind when I first read this news? What? You ever watch that show, Dragon Tales? Yeah, what about it? No, I don't know what that is. You don't know about Dragon Tales? No. Wait, wait. Stop everything. Really? Dragon Tales, Dragon Tales. There's like Almost the green dragon and the dragon, dragon or purple dragon. I heard the theme song in my head. Come Literally along, no idea. Take my hand. Let's all go to Dragonland. Oh, man. What is this? They went to Dragonland. That's what happened. Well, I mean, I gathered that much from the song, but like, I have no idea what this it's is. It's a good show. That's all you need to know. It was a couple of children. All right. At OW Nerd Bomber, someone let Nerd Bomber know what Dragon Tales was because me and Tectic certainly cannot be the only people who were so blessed. But that's what I heard in my head. Again, not not an important detail. This is a game that sounds like it's many years off. You know, it's not, it's not even announced. First reported by Windows Central and Eurogamer. The game will be AAA in scope, early development, years away from release, and it's potentially going to be an Xbox exclusive. So... Let's talk about dragons in video games for a second. I've not played Dragon Age. Have either of you played Dragon Age? I played the first one 
and I got very bogged down in the RPG elements. There was a lot more resource management. It, it's a Bioware game, but it was, I want to say it was before Mass Effect. And it's I, pretty old, yeah. I don't know. I mean, people, I probably love it. Hardcore RPG players love it. I'm more on that fence where I enjoy RPG elements, but also like a little bit more light because I end up then getting bogged down and spending hours going through my inventory and I don't like that. So I played it. We're going to talk about this later, by the way, with my Horizon Zero Dawn experience, but but go on. So I've played it, but not super extensively. It's basically the long-winded way of saying, yes, I've played a little bit of it. I mean, the the term dragon video game, you know, leaves a lot up to the imagination, right? I guess the question I would generally have, and I'll I'll, I'll come over to you, Technic. If you're going to play a dragon video game, do you want to be the dragon? Do you want to be someone who rides a dragon? What do you want out of a dragon video game? So because it's not uh, like a Bethesda studio making this... I really hope it's not where there's just dragons around and you're some, you know, knight or whatever. I that hope that was Skyrim, right? Right. Is that what yeah. you're referring to? Okay. I hope that do you guys remember the show American Dragon Jake Long? I believe it was a Saturday morning cartoon. I, this time it's I my do, turn to I not think. remember. Uh, oh, so I'm, anyway, I'm the odd one out. It's about a young Asian American boy who his family line they can all turn into dragons. Um, and they're and they're not like these epic proportion dragons. They're like bigger than the human size, but but they're like just it's almost like a, a human turning to a werewolf type size being. So are and they it, humanoid? Yeah, and that's okay. that's sort of what I hope for. I, I hope you're this character that has the ability to transform into a dragon and fight and use pepper breath and all sorts of things like that. That's what I want to see from this studio. Pepper breath. Yeah, it's a Digimon reference for you. Oh. I was I was assuming like you breathe fire. Is that what pepper breath is? Yeah. Interesting. I want a how to train your dragon type video game. And this is what I thought we might be getting out of Scalebound, which ironically was another Xbox exclusive. And that one, obviously, we all know that got stuck in development hell and then got canceled. But like, I want to be able to have a dragon pal that I get to ride through the skies and I don't want to fight dragons like maybe like other people riding dragons but like i don't want to be like tactic said i don't want to be like skyrim where i am a sword wielding gal who is trying to fight the evil dragon like i want to be pals with the dragon i want to save the day with my dragon friend and i want, I want that's what i want <laughs> so i think you want so, so uh, point of reference for me not a game not a show do you read the uh, inheritance books we talked about yes. we talked about chris Pellini when you were talking about that other book you wrote. Yeah, to sleep in a sea of stars. Yeah, I want like an Aragon experience. You want an Aragon experience because you want you want the dragon to be because you know, I think Aragon is primarily. And by the way, if you haven't read these books, you should go read them. They're fantastic. He's you know he's a guy with the sword. So it, theoretically, in this game, you would be a guy with the sword. But but you're still he, pals with the dragon. You're not. You're not only pals with the dragon. You're you're you know mentally connected to the dragon. The dragon. In a sense, because the dragon hatches for you, you get certain powers, in a sense, from the dragon. So there's a deeper connection there. And the dragon would, you know, assuming this is kind of a story-driven game, would be a character and would in some way talk to you, right? There's a good way to do this. To me, it would be the Inheritance Trilogy, the game. But I doubt that's happening. You know, they made an Aragon movie that, like, bombed. Do you remember this? Yeah, I remember, didn't Avril Lavigne, like, do the theme song for the movie, too? They did make an Aragon video game. I don't think I ever played it, but it was, like, out there in the world. They it was did, really? Yeah, it was on, like, the PS2 and GameCube, I think, back in the day. It was a movie tie-in, 
So like right. it was only as good as the movie, which was not that good. I did not watch the movie, but I've heard only bad things about it. So, you know, I think because I went and saw that movie and now this is a bit of a tangent, but I went and saw the Aragon movie adaptation with people who hadn't read the book and they were like, oh, this is great. The main character is so dreamy and there were dragons. It's like Lord of the Rings for kids. And I was like, I hated it. It's nothing like the book. This is terrible. <laughs> That's what you sounded like when you were younger. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. Well, you hated it. But getting back to this dragon game, it's hard to imagine. Well, I guess it's not hard to imagine it not being tied with some IP. But man, I'm really attached to this inheritance cycle idea. I, I always want to call it the inheritance trilogy because it was a trilogy initially. And then they were like, no, nah, there's a fourth book. Well, I mean, could you imagine how big that last book would have been? Because the fourth book was a chonker. So like <laughs> you yeah. would have been reading that book forever. Right. They were getting into like Harry Potter territory with that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I never played Skyrim. So Skyrim, you just kind of, you go around doing the dragon shout at them, but they're just kind of there. They're just they're, around. Like the dragon is like the bad guy you have to defeat at the end. It's basically, you're a townsfolk almost, and you get to choose your story because there's many, many different story paths you can take, but you can choose your own story and then eventually defeat the dragon, I believe. The term is forge your own path. Oh, okay. Did you ever defeat the dragon? No, I couldn't even defeat some of the lower level dragons. You got stuck as like a wolf person, right? I got stuck in the wizard college. I went to the top of the tower and punched the strongest wizard and didn't save for like five hours before that I got there. Mistake. So every time I would respawn, I'd, I'd get attacked by every wizard in that place. And I just said, well, rage quit. And you never played the game again. I never yes. played it again. <laughs> wow. Pretty good. Kind of a returnal theme almost. <laughs> I, uh... I, another I, there is a game i play with a dragon in it because you mentioned the dragon being the final enemy Spider? i sure i sure think that's how the hobbit was the hobbit game when i played mm-hmm. it because if you have if you know anything about the hobbit you know there's a big dragon at the end but i don't remember that at all i remember that game being really good but i don't remember the dragon part so i will say we are leaving out spyro he does need to get some love but i feel like yes spyro's a dragon but i don't view that as a dragon game it also doesn't jive with the what's the word i'm looking for I want to say genre that like this medieval, not not medieval, but the I can't I can't place a Spyro type game under this these developers. Yeah, yeah I it's like, know, a, it's I like mean, a cartoony platformer, right? right. It's, it's just a different thing entirely. This is like a dark. Well, I'm assuming we don't know any details about it, but just from Hitman and probably what the 007 game will be, we're talking about like some kind of probably dark and gritty experience. Well, I would I'm saying be American Dragon, Jake Long. I want a dragon assassin. Well, dragon assassin doesn't make much sense. Dragons are pretty conspicuous. But it would be cool to be like a dragon mercenary, you know, almost kind of like a Witcher character. That would actually be really dope. I'm picturing like a regular assassin, but they can transform and leverage their abilities to be stealthy and like hide in the shadows and fly on the walls or, you know, certain certain power kills. Like maybe just one hand changes to claws and rip out a guy's throat. And then, or maybe their their head just transforms real quick to a dragon, and then they burn someone's face. Almost like a, I, I guess a prototype type game spinoff off of this concept. That's an interesting idea. Clearly, there's a lot we don't yet know, so <laughs> we'll stick a pin in this. But th- that that's our general thoughts. I think you know, I know Nerd Bomber is generally on board. It just seemed like you were when we talked about this as a potential topic. Oh yeah. I simply don't know enough, but we all have a lot of ideas. IOI, feel free to reach out. 
will be here. We're going to talk about dragons a little bit later, actually. I, I'm, this is my second tease of my update, but I have a, a pretty beefy update this week. So we're going to talk about dragons a little bit later. But first, we're going to take a break. But first, first, before taking a break, we are going to, sh- of course, shout out our fantastic Patreon producers, Mr. Ben Checkness, Mr. Stephen Keller. Here's to you. We raise our glasses. I actually am holding a metal water bottle, but I'll raise it to you. Stephen and Ben have been Patreon producers for us. Uh, Stephen for a little bit now, Ben for quite a while. Their contributions are most welcome, and they are knights always welcome at our round table. As night level subscribers to our Patreon, they get access to the monthly secret segment and vlog, of course, but they also get input into our weekly game segment, which is coming up later. I think Nerd Bomber is hosting this week. Maybe? Yes, sir. And they also, of course, get this producer shout out. So you want to be a knight, but you can also be a squire, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And then there's, of course, the lowly page, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So for more of the details on any of those tiers and how to get back to the show, if you've enjoyed listening, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Check us out there. Check us out here in your ears and stay tuned for a word from an additional sponsor. We'll be right back to talk more about video games. Brush is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Brush redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist a fresh whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with code POD15. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. Thanks again to Bruce for sponsoring this episode. And now back to the show. Discord. You all know about Discord. It's that thing you use to talk to people, particularly when you're gaming. Uh, we actually, fun fact, we use Discord for our coordination of this podcast. I live in a different place than Nerd Bomber and Tactic, and so we need a way to communicate that's effective. And I'm sure we used Facebook Messenger for a while, but we eventually switched over to Discord, which this is not an advertisement for Discord, by the way. You might be thinking there's a second advertisement. It's not, but they're great. You can have fun GIFs or GIFs or whatever you want to call them all the time in your chats. It's great. You can put bots in there. I'm in another Discord server where we actually, we have a, a certain bot. You're cheating bot. on our Discord server. Oh, I'm cheating. Oh, you have no <laughs> idea. Um, but we have, a, we have a bot that it's this board game group that I play board games with. And there's a bot there where if you just type .bgg and then the, the name of the game, it goes and like links you to the Board Game Geek webpage and like gives you a small blur about what the game is, how heavy it is, what mechanics it uses, etc. It's pretty cool. Discord's awesome. And they are now partially owned by PlayStation. This news is coming in direct response, it would seem like. Uh, I don't. Did we talk about the other buyout on the podcast for, for Discord? I'm kind of trying to remember if we did. I don't think uh, we did because by the time it was reported and then we recorded the show, it was already like debunked off. and called off. So Microsoft was thinking about buying Discord at one point. Uh, Discord was in a round of talks with them. For a boatload of money. For a boatload of money, $10 billion, I think is what it was those talks for some reason disintegrated it's not not super clear why of course these things happen behind closed doors but now playstation has bought a minority stake and the two companies are looking forward to work together in the future on what who is to say but i you know one thing i want to talk about here in addition to the fact that we use discord and like discord 
I want to talk about PlayStation's kind of social functionality. So have you guys ever sent, and, and we can we can go back to previous generations too, like Xbox 360. I don't think I've ever once sent a text message on PlayStation. I guess mostly because there's not a keyboard. But, you know, should I see this as an opportunity or see this as a sign that PlayStation's looking for an opportunity to improve kind of the social aspects of their console that are on the console itself. So, I mean, you can send messages using your phone in the PlayStation app on your phone. And that that's sort of easier to chat that way, similar to the, the Xbox app as well. See, see, I didn't even know that. So that's a failure on but, PlayStation's part. But that's why I think this integration is really key and, and, and kind of a smart move. It'll It might allow them for more seamless integration with these more well-known apps that are commonplace with a lot of people's devices. And so the use of these chats and the, not even just the use, but like beyond just chatting, I mean, you can use Discord for streaming and, and various other things that is right. very, very popular now and, and is gonna only going to continue to grow as we progress as a society. So 140 million was, users currently, by the way. This was a good move. Well, I think one of the key things, too, and I think why we saw both Xbox and PlayStation trying to get into this market is because, like we said, Discord is super popular. And I think if you could somehow link your console messaging system into Discord, I think you have a pretty big leg up. Because I think one of the things that I really miss is that, like, if, if we want to play cross-play Rocket League with someone who's on PC, like, okay, yes, Xbox, if they have the Windows Xbox app, technically you can talk to each other. But realistically, most people on PC use Discord. Or even if, like, you have someone and you just want to chat playing, like, Among Us or something. And I know Among Us hasn't hit all of the consoles yet, but if you want it to, like, not everyone is going to be on the same console. And so having that connection with Discord would make life so much easier. And I think this is big for PlayStation because I think what you think of like voice chat and parties and stuff, I mean, heck, Xbox, I'm pretty sure they're the ones who came up with the the term party chat, you know, PlayStation kind of came in after the fact with that online connectivity sort of stuff. Like I know they had it with the PlayStation 2 era, but having that like super easy party chat was pretty much forwarded by Xbox. So now it seems like if PlayStation can kind of get a leg up in this communication era and i believe they're getting among us first i feel like that could be a pretty big win for them it's interesting you know of course there's a huge difference between a minority stake and a company coming in and saying we're going to buy you but you you have to wonder behind closed doors again what microsoft said versus what playstation said and whether discord liked playstation better for any particular thing they mentioned as wanting to you know work towards in terms of integration you know we may never know that but, well, I mean, uh, if, if I'm Discord, if I'm the people who created Discord, first of all, I'm pretty sure Discord was created as sort of like a passion project initially. Like, obviously, it's free to use. Like, we don't pay anything to use it. And you look at when Microsoft acquired Mixer, obviously, Mixer was not on the same level of Twitch and was fighting an uphill battle. But basically, that just got shuttered within a few years of Microsoft owning them. And if you're Discord, 
I mean, I personally would have been concerned that they would roll it into like the Xbox party chat and then Discord just becomes or the next Skype app or something. You know what I mean? I feel like it's more attractive to stay. And again, we have no connections to the people at Discord, Microsoft or Sony. But if I'm the people who own Discord, I would not like the potential to be either rolled into Skype or Teams or be the next mixer that just gets disintegrated. Yeah, I I think it's important to really look at the different approaches between the two companies. One, buying a company, the company that's being bought really has to sign off on that. Whereas no agency really once they're bought. A minority stakeholder, I'm pretty sure they could just buy sufficient amount of shares to be defined that term and they don't really need approval from the selling party. I don't know how it works. This is a diversifying your portfolio thing. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like the definitions of these two are critical to the point that Nerd Bomber just said one relieves kind of creative direction, whereas this is more of a collaboration. This is above my pay grade, I think. So I'm going to not say much more about it. But, you know, I, I, I obviously like the direction of you know discord being integrated with console i think the the ability for cross console and console to pc communication is worth whatever they wind up doing and you know it may be that things don't change at all discord remains exactly how it was and playstation just has a cut of that you know i I, it is interesting i don't know how discord or if discord makes any money like you said it's kind of a passion project it's one of those things but i'm certainly open to the collab let me put it that way See, I think I'm happy with this direction because, I mean, I was saying that if I own Discord, I would be concerned about it rolling into Skype. But as a very fervent Discord user, like I like the way that Discord operates. I like the different channels that you can break a server down into. I like that because, I mean, we even use that from an organizational standpoint. I would say we at the Online Warriors, we use Discord almost like Slack in a way where we have the different channels that kind of have different work streams and one is just like a just chatting type thing. And I would hate to see that change. So when Microsoft was considering buying it, I was like, oh God, I don't need another Teams experience in my life. I already do that for 40 hours a week at my day job. I don't I don't want to roll this into Teams or anything like that. So I'm, I, I'm low key kind of happy about this. Well, there we go. Nerd Bomber is, is low-key kind of happy. Seems like we're all low-key kind of happy. I just want my GIF bot to stay the same. Right. What more can a girl uh, ask for? The GIF bot's amazing, by the way. For anyone who has Discord, go grab the GIF bot. It's used pretty much daily in our Discord server. So, strong recommend. We're going to move to the What Are You Up To Wednesday right now because, as I've mentioned a few times before, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm going to go first because I have a couple of things to update on. One, of course, Horizon Zero Dawn. I don't know if I mentioned this last week. I probably mentioned that I either was had just started to play it or was going to start playing it. But you um, said that you had started playing it and you were already hedging that you weren't going to like it down the line. Right. So I'm going to de-hedge a little bit. I love this. I do like it. Again, it's still towing that line of it's arguably too much rpg like you, you mentioned inventory management before and that's what got me thinking about it again there's inventory management there's a lot of talking to folks but the gameplay is too good to be denied at this point you know i've made it past the proving i've started actually taming animals and riding them this isn't really spoilers this is generic mechanics that you could probably already figure out uh, i just cleared a bandit camp uh the stealth elements are really great and the gameplay is really starting to, to tighten up as we get out of exposition and more into just me kind of roaming around i climb my first tall neck you know i'm just kind of checking a lot of boxes at this point so 
I'm going to kind of turn around on that and basically say it's really good. It's going to give me a lot of gameplay because I'm a big side quester. I've already done quite a few side quests. I'm going to keep doing more. So it's going to take me a long time to beat. So expect to hear more about Horizon Zero Dawn from me. <laughs> How are you finding the story so far? It, it's fine. I don't know enough yet. I'm, I'm so I'm so early. early. Yeah. I, 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 I was just made a seeker. I basically just left the embrace and I'm just out doing stuff. But like past that, I don't know much yet. Yeah, I feel like you need to discover more before it really sets in. Yeah, I, I generally like it, but it's not hasn't cut cut deep into me yet. Let me put it that way. So that's one facet. Uh, and the other the other update for me is a little bit. I would say it's major in the sense that I have said many times on this podcast, many times, too many times to count, more than likely, that I am not a Game of Thrones person. Never watched the show. But, never read yeah. the books. I. You know, I just decided sometimes you just decide things arbitrarily. Just you wake up one day and you decide I'm going to start reading Game of Thrones. And uh, I got it for free from my local library on my Kindle. Didn't even leave the house. Uh, And I started reading it. And I have to say I'm 20% in, I think exactly 20% into the first book. And I'm pretty taken in by it. It's... (sighs) I'm about to I'm about to slam George R. R. Martin. So if you're a big GRRM guy, maybe turn the volume down for a second. He's not a great like the writing is not knocking my socks off. It's I don't want to call it pedestrian because that sounds pedantic of me to say that it's pedestrian, but it's it's not like J.R.R. Tolkien. It's not like Shakespeare. It's not like you know earth shattering writing, but it's fun. Uh, I haven't read fantasy in a while outside of J.R.R. Tolkien, which I don't really count that because I know what's going to happen when I read all the Lord of the Rings books. And to an extent, I do know what's going to happen, you know, with Game of Thrones. Like I'm, you know, 20% into the first book. So I'm reading about Eddard Stark knowing that he is not long for this world, right? I mean, it, I, I I grew up, not grew up, but I lived during, you know, when the show was coming out. So I know what happens to Eddard Stark. I know what happens to a lot of people, but I'm enjoying the journey. Uh, I, ha- I have to admit, I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. I kind of downloaded it on a whim thinking I'll try it and I'm not going to like it because of one experience I had in a Barnes and Noble many years ago where I picked it up and leafed through it and decided there were too many characters. And there are a lot of characters, but for all the complaints I just leveled about George, he seems to be doing a good job right now juggling those characters and, and you know, the vast geographical distances that seem to separate them. So I will say as someone who read the majority of the books, I think I, I tra- trailed off at the last one that actually came out. I don't think I finished it. It's sitting on the bookshelf, but I just haven't read it. And someone who watched the show at a certain point, the books do diverge. So you won't know everything that sure. happens. The books in the show diverge. But, so but you won't sure know everything. No, but I sure haven't hit that point yet. It will be many, many, many pages because the books are pretty hefty and there's a lot of them. Yeah. And I know like the, I think the show mostly deviated in like the last season that everyone hated, but I don't know. I also like, I don't have firm plans to watch the show. I might never watch the show or I might finish the books and say, Oh, and I'm going to watch the show and see how they compare. I couldn't say, but obviously it's quite an undertaking that I'm beginning. So it's really my update is I've started two things that are going to take me a long time. So you either, I'll either stop talking about them. So I don't have to bore you with the continued details of them or you'll hear about them a lot because that's what I'm going to be into. Um, the last thing I want to mention at PSA, one of the land before time movies just got added to Netflix. Ooh. Um, not the first one, the second one, great Valley adventure or something. I don't know. Watched They're it last so night, fell asleep to it. 
A plus to that. Tectic, my friend, my good old buddy pal. What's going on over there? So I want to talk about something that really excited me, and that is the movie Mitchells versus the Machines. I have to tell you guys, this movie is capital F fantastic, and you do not need children to watch it. It is fun for the adults. I was literally cracking up through the whole movie. I mean, I haven't laughed this much at an animated film in quite some time, and I could not stress how much I recommend this movie. Just to give you a little plot point, it's a family called the Mitchells, and they're against the machines, a bunch of robots that are trying to take over the world. And that's all I'm telling you. Check it out. It's fantastic. That is all. From the Spider-Verse people, right? From the Spider-Verse people. They did a, they did an amazing job. All the references um, for adults, and it's great. The animation style, very reminiscent of Spider-Verse. That mesh of 2D and 3D. Love it. There you have it. I mean, yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I know you guys recommended it to me. I will move it up the queue. Definitely do that. I was surprised when the trailer came out last week. I didn't realize it had come out this weekend, but it was it was a really fun watch. I would say it, it was a heartfelt family animated show, and I was a big fan of it. Duly noted. Okay, Tactic, short update. Nerdbomber, anything for us? So I had a very gaming-centric weekend. The first thing that I will start off with also included Tactic, so we can kind of merge this part of the update. Uh, we started playing It Takes Two on the PlayStation 5. And it's a blast so far. We are about, I think, three chapters into the game. It's The game is divided up into different chapters based on different settings of the game. And I will say, uh, even though we're not very far in, every section of the game presents different mechanics that you have to kind of work with. Either you get different tools, primarily different tools, but then that lends itself to different ways to solve puzzles and problems and work through the world. And it's all collaborative. Right. And that's basically the key thing is that you have to work with your cooperative partner. You cannot play this game solo. It is a solely co-op game. And there is a decent amount of communication that you have to work together to kind of solve puzzles and figure out how you're going to progress. And I was a big fan. I mean, I think all of the, even like from a pure gameplay perspective, everything feels super tight and super fun. Like, I'm never really frustrated by the controls at all or anything like that. I think, the, again, like the the art style is really fun. And even like the quips are pretty funny. I mean, Haze Light, they're known for a way out. And the developer, every time we see, I'm forgetting his name, blanking on his name right now, but every time we see a trailer or a presentation by him, like he just seems like a fun, energetic type guy. And that definitely shines through with this game. It, it is very much about a relationship between uh, a couple of parents who are getting divorced and their daughter basically turns them into her two toys by wishing on this relationship book that they'll be able to find a way to be friends again and to stay together. And so it's basically a series of lessons on how to work together in a relationship and communicate and, you know, find your way back to working together. And I really, really, really am enjoying it. The settings are super fun. I mean, there's militaristic squirrels. There's a evil vacuum 
um, I don't want to get into too many details, but like it's fun. The main biggest takeaway from it is it's not like grounded where you're just miniaturized in this 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 grand world. It's yes, they are mini- miniaturized in this grand world, but there's also a sense of fairy tale aspect to it where everything that was just kind of an inanimate object is is now alive and has a personality and and it brings this whole new world and perspective to the mundane and so it's really enjoyable so so far definitely would recommend it it's gotten great reviews in all the media outlets it's definitely well deserved i think it's sold like gangbusters and it's very, on sale very right good. now i don't know if you mentioned that but i almost bought it because it's on sale right now is that why you bought it uh, no, we've actually, I pre-ordered this game because I was really excited about it. Oh, right. Yeah, we've, we talked about this on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, this was one ra- of, this and Ratchet and Clank were my two major pre-orders for the spring. So I, I think it is on sale right now, though, for what it's worth. I don't know exactly how much for, but it's definitely on my radar as a potential couch co-op game. So I appreciate the endorsement. Yeah, uh, that, it's definitely a fun one. And then my other update is another game. So Tectic is amazing i think i tweeted out a couple weeks ago or maybe last week that our xbox one s is failing (laughs) it is a slow machine it takes forever to boot up it basically crashes a lot and boots you out of whatever game you're playing it was getting very frustrated i was getting very frustrated and so so was it yeah and i i was playing the can i find this in stock without paying a scalper eight hundred dollars sort of game And so Tactic, the gracious person that he is, woke up at the crack of dawn when he got a stock alert and got the Xbox Series X. So now we are like firmly rooted in the next gen. I'm jealous. Not going to lie. Get yourself a Tactic. Yeah, get yourself a Tactic, illegal. Too real. (laughs) (laughs) And so I decided to play Call of the Sea because it's an Xbox exclusive. It's been optimized for the Series X and I'd heard really good things about it. It's voiced by Sissy Jones, who's known primarily for her roles in Firewatch and The Walking Dead. And essentially, you're a woman who goes on a trip to this island. And this is set like back in the day. And you take a boat to this island where your husband went and went on an expedition to try to find a cure for your disease. And their boat crashed. And so you're basically going on this exploration to try to find him. And the art style is fantastic. The story is really enthralling. Like, I really want to know what happens. There's a lot of, like, mystery and mystique. And, like, you get on this island and there's this mystical goo because you find all of the notes from your husband's expedition and you don't really know what it does. And so you're trying to, like, kind of piecemeal your way to figure out what's going on on this island and where the crew of your husband's expedition and ship would disappear to, like, what happened to them. And there's a lot, a lot of puzzle solving. And I think if this wasn't an Xbox exclusive illegal, I would totally be recommending it to you. I think you might be able to play it on PC, but I don't think, I don't know if you have a PC machine either. You're just rubbing salt in the wound now. (laughs) But it is, I mean, it's definitely more of like a walking simulator sort of game, but with a lot of puzzles. And like you have to constantly scour the environment for clues and basically take your husband's research clues, whether it's like notes from his experiments or you find like 
random signs around the island and you have to figure out then how to progress. And some of the puzzles, I'm not going to lie, kind of brain bending. It's like it's one of those games where your character takes notes as you find certain clues along the way. And then you're sifting through pages in your notebook to put something together once you get to the end of a chapter of the game. But I mean, so far, I'm really enthralled by it. The The graphics are great. The story is pretty interesting and has me at attention. The puzzles, I'm not the biggest puzzle gamer, and I feel like sometimes I could use Tectic's help, but so far I'm like pushing through and feeling proud of myself for doing so. But yeah, I'm having a really good time with it, and I feel like it kind of came out and it got a little bit of hubbub, but wasn't super talked about. I feel like it flew a little bit under the radar after all of the different like conferences and previews that it had. And I would say that if you are on the fence, definitely worth trying out, especially since it's included with Game Pass. Right on. I'll have to buy an Xbox. That's <laughs> that's the takeaway here for me. But uh, right on. Very cool. So we got some game recommendations there. We got some... I, got, I gave you a Game of Thrones recommendation as though you needed it at this stage of your life. That's what we've been up to. And now we can move into quiz mode with our quiz master, Miss Nerdbomber. Uh, before we do, let's get let's get a look at the at the standings. I don't know if I gave a standings update last week. I don't. I don't think we need to. I think we need to because I'm I'm actually, if I'm not mistaken, I believe illegal eighty six, which is me, six and two. Nerd bomber also six and two. Tactic three and four. So the lowly page. The low <laughs> the lowly page. So uh, tactic of as always, a lot of pressure on you. And with that in mind, let's get started. <laughs> All right, so this topic, I feel like illegal. You're going to be like, oh, no, I'm not going to know anything about this. And then when? No, but I tried to keep this not super, like, lore-specific. The topic that was chosen was Mass Effect. You know what? Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Like I said, I tried to not keep it, like, super steeped in lore. I tried to keep it more about the franchise, like, as an external whole. I mean, Um, look, we have to help Tactic somehow. We do. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) this is partly in honor of the Legendary Edition coming out soon. So I think it comes out like the end of the month or something. It's going to be Legend. Wait Wait for it. Dairy. Dairy. So we'll hop into it with the first question. We'll have Illegal go second so you have a little bit more. So he has the advantage. Good. No, no, no. I want to go first. Okay. I want to prove myself here. So when did the first Mass Effect game release? 2007 i think that's right it sounded like i knew but i don't i just i do feel like it's a good guess though 2007 you you can't guess the same one can you you can if you want what is our rule on this we either both lose or we both win okay so really makes it irrelevant you both got it right it makes this question irrelevant it came out november 20th in 2007 come on tactic come on dang it well played i guess i'm i'm like I distinctly remember in high school when that came out. And that's why I was like, sugar, honey, iced tea. Crazily enough, it was actually an Xbox exclusive when this game released. So it's no longer an Xbox exclusive, but it was back then. Well, it's either one to one or zero to zero, whichever way. I don't know whether you're a glass half full person or a glass half empty person. I'm going to be optimistic and give you guys both points. Yeah. All right. One I'm on the board. <laughs> For the next question, you guys know Mass Effect was steeped very heavily in dialogue and whether you would play as a paragon or a renegade, 
and your options would basically change what would happen throughout the game, who would live, who would die, what was at stake, all that good stuff. In a recent interview, a former Bioware cinematic designer, John Ebinger, said that a majority of players actually played as a paragon, aka the good guy. What percentage of players chose this path? It's a great question, by the way. I think it was higher than than like significantly higher than 50-50 because there was a number of glitches that I found that you can just cash in on a bunch of Paragon points to basically be full Paragon without even trying. I did that on the, specifically, the there was this planet with like monkeys. Um, and every time I touched a monkey, I got plus one Paragon. <laughs> what on the earth are you talking about? I'm sure you'll, Matt, that people know what you're talking about. You'll get there one day. Sounds like nonsense to me. So I'm going to say with that in mind... That it's along the lines of 70%. No way, no how. This is, I think this is close to 50-50. I think this is 53%. Tectic gets this point. Shockingly, and I was really surprised by this. People suck. Around 92% of Mass Effect players played the game as a good guy, according to John Ebinger. The game decision, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of bonuses and things that, that force you to really be Paragon. I'm telling you. I mean, you can play the game as a renegade, though. Like, it's very possible. I think people, realistically, I think there were a lot of guidebooks that showed you how to get the quote unquote best ending. So I feel like people probably played it that way a little bit. I know that when I, in my brief play, I set out to generally be a paragon, but like, I wanted to be an edgy paragon. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to be like Han Solo kind of like, yeah, I'm a good guy, but like, okay, not, good. not, not that good. Yeah. But like, cause you don't want to be like a Captain America, you know, it's a fine line. Don't, so I don't guess I would started. still be, Please don't get started. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I guess I would still be in the 92%, but nonetheless, I, I'm uh, my my flabber is gasted by that answer. There's actually, if you're interested, and there's spoilers in these infographics, so legal if you are planning on playing the games in any capacity, I wouldn't look it up. But if you've already played the Mass Effect games, there are a bunch of infographics that Bioware released after each game that showed a bunch of like statistic breakdowns of what people chose throughout the game. And it's actually very interesting because some of the statistics, much like this one, did not jive with my expectations. But very neat. So... This one is actually based on a gift that Illegal bought me. It's pronounced GIF. No, like a, a present. <laughs> <laughs> so Drew Carpishan, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but that's what I'm going to go with, um, was one of the lead writers for the original Mass Effect game, and then he went on to write a prequel novelization for the series. There would eventually then go on to be an entire series of books spanning both the original trilogy and then the Andromeda follow-up. How many Mass Effect novels are there total? Notice I'm not saying book. I'm saying novels. Because there are like art books and stuff out there. But I specifically want novels. And I'm first this time. Four. There's not that many. Four. Oh, there's way more than that. I'm going to go with nine. So illegal wins just because Tactic busted. There are seven. Oh, tough break, Tactic. I'll take it. I'll take the point. It's kind of in the middle of our two answers. Right now, you guys are tied up. You both have two points. I have two and a a tiebreaker if we need it. So we'll march on. This is another semi-interesting one. And I just want to make a a disclaimer that we are not affiliated with the YouTuber I am about to name in this next question, nor is this answer necessarily law if he missed anything. But I just thought this was an interesting one. So 
Martin Sheen plays the elusive man in the original Mass Effect trilogy. I love Martin Sheen. Just stop for a second. I love Martin Sheen so much. So this is why you need to play Mass Effect. (laughs) He plays a very pivotal part in these games. You need maybe the strongest argument you've ever made (laughs) for these games. Uh, go, go, Go ahead. So a YouTuber by the name of Jaguar550 compiled all of his character scenes that would be seen during a Renegade playthrough into one video. What is the runtime of that video? I figured neither of you would really have any advantage with this question. So is Michael? Yes. I'm going to say 14 minutes. Illegal? It, uh, 20. You guys were really lowballing it, considering he was a very pivotal character in this series. He had 58 minutes and 23 seconds of at least conversational airtime in the Renegade playthrough scenes, according to Jaguar550, assuming that's accurate. But yeah, 58 minutes and 23 seconds of Martin Sheen that you could be seen illegal if you just buckle down and play Mass Effect. (laughs) Again, very strong argument. I can't fault that at all. Now, we have a score of three to two. Illegal is in the lead. We have one question. (laughs) Tactic, I'm rooting for you, man, but come on. (laughs) And a tiebreaker. So, Tactic, you can still bring this home. Now, there was a movie adaptation of Mass Effect announced by Bioware, though no casting or production has yet started on the project. When was this project first announced? I'm first again, right? Yeah. Um, This was, it's been a minute. 2013. I'm going to say that it was right off the coattails of when the game was released and go 2007. Okay, so Tectic gets this one because Illegal Busted. The film was officially announced by Bioware on May 24th, 2010. And since then, like oh, various man. actors, like I think Henry Cavill, Cavill, Cavill? Superman. Yes, Superman was Cavill. attached to, no. He was, atta- <laughs> he was attached to play um, Commander Shepard, but so far nothing is official and the movie would be has totally wrong. He would be totally wrong, yeah, be totally wrong for that. I mean, I like him just fine. But okay, so we're into tiebreaker mode. We are into tiebreaker mode. And this that one... This hasn't happened in a while. No, it hasn't. This one, Tactic may have an advantage, but he's played the game so long ago that I honestly question how many details he really remembers Biotic. about the game. N- no. Damn. So the Mass Effect series features dozens of intelligent alien races, but only a select number of races are included in the Citadel Council. How many races are considered to be Citadel races? And the Citadel is like the main kind of like governmental body, main hub of the galaxy. Do we want to do the text the answer thing? Let's do the text the answer thing. I like that. Uh, Give me a second. Okay. You have my answer. Whew. Tactic gets this one by one. Illegal texted in five. Tactic texted in six. The right answer was nine. So Tactic wins his first game in a while. Wow. With a four well, to three margin. Obviously, I'll be uh, filing a complaint with somebody. See, I had nine in my head, but I was worried that that would be a bust. So you flipped it over. Classic. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, that brings Tactic to four and four on the season slash year. So we've all played eight games, I guess is what this means. We've apparently come full circle. I'm at six and two. Nerd Bomber's at six and two. Tactic is at six and four. Sorry, four and four. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. I mean, it. you know, it's a long year. There are more years to be had. The next more, game more will be episodes. the Battle of the Titans. That's true. That's going to be a tiebreaker round. That is going to be. Yeah, Tactic make it special. I don't know. 
Uh, do do whatever it is you do. We hope to see you next week for the Titan matchup. And uh, in the meantime, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can hit us up on Twitter. Handles already mentioned. You can talk to us about any of the topics we mentioned today or any topics that you want to chat about with us. So go hit us up there. And uh, also, tell your barber. Tell your hairdresser. If you if you get manicures or pedicures, I mean, you probably don't these days, pandemic. But um, tell them about it. You know? Tell them to play it in the salon, man. We're tell great them, background music. You know what? To, talk to tell, tell them to gonna play be it me. That that you know what? That's I think that's a demographic that we're missing out on. Is the salon waiting room crowd? You know what I mean? Even in Salons pandemic times, around the globe, consider the online warriors for your waiting room entertainment. I like to think there's someone sitting in a salon right now, probably with headphones on. That's like that's me. Uh, but if, this, <laughs> if this is you. I, I implore you to hit us up we'll see you all next week thank you so much for being here have a great day comic book stores sports card shops the exciting atmospheres of being a geek kid in the 90s I'm Micah a 36 year old girl dad hubby and geek and on the Tavern Geek Podcast my friends and I ramble on about geek culture and NBA basketball while enjoying crafted adult beverages. So, kick back and enjoy us, the Tavern Geeks.